0: listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. This Christmas time is a season, it's not a day. Uh, And it begins today and it lasts through January 5th. So continue to celebrate. Uh, this is not something just to be kind of culminated today. We've been celebrating Advent these last four weeks. We've lit candles of, of um, peace, of hope, of joy, and of love. And then last night, we lit the Christ candle, because now uh, Christ is born, right? And so now that now is the time to celebrate. It's not the time to end the celebration, but to continue it. Um, Amen. So I want to do maybe something a little odd for a Christmas Sunday morning. It's a little iconoclastic. It, uh, it's kind of a bit of a mythbuster. And you might think that's not the happiest thing to do on a Christmas Sunday morning, but it's going to be short and it's going to be meaningful, I hope. <laughs> so the purpose of trying to go back to the text of Scripture, and to listen carefully to what the story that's been shared with us, is that um, familiarity sometimes breeds contempt. Like we hear the story and we're like, oh yeah, I know what that is. And we kind of just skim over it. And we don't pay kind of careful attention to the details and what has been revealed and what has been shared. And then when we don't pay careful attention, we get other kind of myths or other traditions that kind of come up around the story, and we end up telling a story that's different from the one that, was actually, that actually happened and has actually been inspired and shared with us. So, first myth to bust, the innkeeper. There is no innkeeper in Scripture. When it's, I know. When it says, like so much of the time, we tell the story, right? They go to the inn. And it's like a Holiday Inn or a Hampton Inn, right? A Best Western, yeah. And they're like, sorry man, my hotel's full. Well, there were inns in the ancient world, and Luke knows about them. In fact, when he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, which only Luke tells... The, the Good Samaritan goes to an inn, to a hotel, and he, he provides a space. The word that's there means welcome the other. That's what the, the word in Greek that, for inn means, kind of the welcome of the other. But that's not the word that's used in the Nativity story. When it says that there's an inn, that's how we often translate it, it just means guest room or second room. So instead of just having a one-room house, which was typical, you might have on the terrace an extra place to stay, or you might have like a second room that's kind of in the back, so kind of a slightly nicer home, a two-room home instead of a one-room home. And we, we do see this in Luke's Gospel as well. When it's time to prepare the Passover, Jesus has come down from Galilee. They get to Jerusalem. He sends out his disciples. He goes, hey, I want you to go. You're going to find this man. He's going to have a donkey. He's going to be tied up. And you tell him that the master says, go prepare the room. And that's, that's the word, the inn. Inn, right? The guest room, right? And they, that's the room who's prepared, and that's the extra room that... Um, Jesus has the Passover meal, uh, the the original communion uh, with his disciples. So what does it mean then that the the guest room was full? Well, um, let me show you a picture of what, a a diagram of what a one-room house would have looked like in the first century. So you see the, the doorway here on our right and you see the steps that kind of go up onto a terrace. So as you come into the door, you're on ground level. And people would have brought in their animals. If you had a cow or a sheep or a donkey or, or two, a couple of goats, they would have been brought in at night for safety. They didn't have separate barns. They didn't have separate um, kind of stables to kind of keep them in the night. And so that, they would be kept there safe. And then as you go up the stairs, the terrace is where the family would live. And if you can kind of make it out, just as you start to go up the stairs, there's some hay sticking up, right? So there would be a feeding trough that was made at the edge of the living area where the animal could just kind of lean over and eat. This is by far the most typical home in Palestine in the first century, by far. And the idea that people kept animals in their house is actually all over the scriptures. Um... There's the story of the medium of of Endor, uh, where where, um, Saul goes to meet the medium or or, or the witch of Endor, right? And she, she talks about letting her animals out of her house. Or if you know the story of Jephthah from Judges, he swears to God, Lord, if you let me win this next victory, I will sacrifice the next thing that steps out of my house. Well, unfortunately, the next thing that stepped out of his house was his daughter. But you might have thought, well, who in the world would have ever made such a claim? Well, only people who keep their animals inside. He expected a sheep or a goat to walk out. Um, Jesus, in, in Luke's gospel again, Jesus is healing a woman on the Sabbath. And it says, the word that's for healing there, it says that he releases her. Like he sets her free from her, her bondage of her sickness. And they, somebody cries foul. Like, hey, you shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, well, you've already let your animals go. So if you would let an animal go, why shouldn't I let this woman go? Well, what are they doing letting their animals go? All they're doing is they're just opening their door. They're letting their animals out of the room, that, that the ground level that they were kept on. And Jesus is like, well, you're going to do that anyway. So if you're going to do that, you should do this too. So, So when you think about... The manger, the manger wasn't like behind the house in a separate shed because there was no place in the hotel, but rather it was right in the middle of the house in which Jesus was born. It was in the living room. Like, he, she, he, uh, she would have given birth to him there, you know, surrounded by family and friends, certainly probably a mother-in-law and some aunts and some people who were pretty skilled at midwifery. Like, that's the story. Like, we we talked a little bit last night about how sometimes Joseph kind of can seem to be a little inept in the way we tell the story. But Joseph is a descendant of David. He's in Bethlehem, the city of David. Like, the fact that, and they had been there for weeks on end. There's this one passage in in Luke, um, David read it for us earlier, but you might have missed it. It said, while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. So they had already come south. They had come south from Nazareth, and they had been there a while. I don't know if they had been there several days, several weeks, maybe a month, right? But when the time for the delivery had come, they had already been there a while. And Mary had family in the area. Uh, Elizabeth also lived in the hills of Judea. Uh, Joseph is from there. And so what's happened is, if I can just retell this story a little bit, it's a time for a census. And so Joseph and his betrothed, who's expecting, has come down from Nazareth, and they have come there to kind of settle. And they would have found a home, most likely probably an extended family member, and other people have now had to crowd into the city because of the census. And because of that, the guest room was already full. And so now Mary and Joseph are staying there with the rest of the family. And when it's time to give birth to the baby, he's born right there in the living room, in, in the only room, or I guess not the extra room, the guest room, but in the main room of the house. Something about shepherds, too. Sometimes I hear people talk about how shepherds are unclean or about how they're outcast. And there is a passage in a later rabbinical text that would talk about how how shepherds, um, because they're caring for lots of people's sheep, not just their own, and that sheep kind of wonder that the sheep might have eaten, you know, A crop over here or something over there. And since they don't know how to make it just right, they're always at risk of having broken the law. And so there was one Pharisee in particular who said, you would never want your son to be a shepherd. But I think that taking that kind of out of context might lead to the wrong idea of what shepherds were. Everyone would have known the shepherds. And the shepherds, again, as they're caring for sheep, And in the scriptures, shepherd is a term both in the Old Testament used for God. The Lord is my shepherd. All right, Psalm 23. And also in the New Testament, Jesus uses it in John 10. I I am the good shepherd. And so shepherd seems to be positively used in scripture all the time. And these shepherds that come, they come and they seem obviously shocked by the angel of the Lord who kind of speaks to them and tells them the story. But when they come, what they find, and I think this is key for us, they find a baby who is to be a king, who is not in a palace, not far away, not distant, not unrelatable, not in a different socioeconomic class. But they find a baby wrapped in in cloths, just like they wrap their babies and laying in a manger, kind of the perfect place to kind of lay the child, a a, a place that the child could be safe, right there in the midst of the room where they all are. And they realize that this child is just like their child. And that, that is the good news, that Jesus comes, that the Messiah is born, That he is Lord, as we sing in, in Silent Night, he is Lord at his birth. But he is here for the common people, he's here for all people. And not only was he born in a living room, but he is available every day in your living room. Like, I love to come to church and it's great for, to be here on Christmas Day kind of celebrating the birth of Christ with you. But as much as I love Oasis and as much as I love coming to church and being with you, I really long for you to have a close and personal personal and intimate relationship with Jesus so that this is a place we can come and celebrate those things. But this is, at, at best, just the beginning of those things. I want you to feel and realize and appreciate the presence of God in your lives every day. Not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. And not just in the sanctuary when you come, but in your cars, in the grocery store, and in your living rooms. Because Jesus was born exactly where He was supposed to be born amongst family in the middle of a living room to come and to be Emmanuel, Christ with us, which we celebrate this day. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast.